Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. Get your back to school shopping done now at amazon.com slash back to school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z. Blog Talk Radio. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Chicken Fighter Radio. My name is Matthew Kanata, also known as MC Money, and I am joined by Sutton the Soccer Dad and how I call out sick on the podcast so I can go drink beer. And I'm welcome, not back. <laughs> welcome back, House, to Finsider Radio. We missed think... you last week. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me. So how was, how was it last week? How was your 30th birthday? Your month-long celebration. What are you, a girl or something? You got to celebrate your uh, birthday month and have a freaking party it's, it's every. It's my week. wife. Okay, my wife gave me two but, surprise parties. One, one with family, one with friends, and uh, well, someone got me a blow-up doll and I stone cold stunned it onto the pavement, so I fucked <laughs> my elbow up pretty bad. Nice. So I mean, tell your wife to call in one day. We we need to have a chat with her. We need to let her know how things go down. Okay. She went all out. Uh, and guys, I mean, I know we have like birthdays and, and birthday, maybe two day birthdays and maybe birthday weekends, but me and house, we don't have birthday month. That's girl stuff. So you tell your, you tell your wife that she's going to call in one day and <laughs> she is going to talk to us. Okay. All right. Yes. I made the mistake of telling her I never had like a surprise party and shit. So she, she went oh, crazy. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she did. Yeah, that's where you went wrong. Yeah. So my well, wife threw a surprise party for my thirtieth birthday, and I had no idea it was coming. Now, that's, now that's, your wife got you the um, the belt too, the championship belt. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I saw that. Yeah. Again, I made the mistake of saying how, as a kid, I always wanted to have like a real wrestling belt. So she <laughs> she freaking surprised me with one, and those things are freaking <laughs> heavy. Women listen to that stuff. See, and that's if women where say that to us, we're like, oh, that's cool, and then we, you know, yeah. keep drinking beer. You're thinking about the Dolphins, so. you're, you're trying to figure out what they're going to do in free agency, but apparently they listen. <laughs> <laughs> so, so listen, the Patriots won the Super Bowl, right? And Barf. I don't even want to talk about them. I have mixed emotions 
on it because at one hand you need to respect what the team has done, right? On the other hand, they're the Patriots. I don't know. But yeah, how long do we have to respect it? We've been respecting it for 16 years now. I mean, it just gets old. So Griselle, or Giselle, Griselle, Giselle, whatever her name is, the crazy lady, told Tom Brady three times after the Super Bowl victory to retire and go out on top, and he said no. Look how close we were. Yeah, and I mean, she can't get him to retire. Think- no one can. No. Yeah, and when you think about it, I mean, what more powerful motivation could you have to just, like, sit around and bang the hottest supermodel in the entire <laughs> world or play football for a few more years? I mean, that's that that's a tough call. So that means he really loves football, but screw him. Yeah, which means we got to put up him for another, what, three to five years? There was a report yeah, that's what I saw. There was a report uh, he was going to play at least three more years. Jeez. So, and he he wants and if he wins a, another Super Bowl before then, he may go out earlier than that. But no. there is no way I want to see the Patriots get that sixth ring. Uh, uh, it's just insane. You got to give your hats hats off to them. They had a miraculous comeback. No one ever thought it would happen. But the Falcons are so stupid for not yep. running the freaking football. Let's just take a quick look at what they could have done to secure the victory, okay? And this really riles me up for obvious reasons. All right. Falcons have one of the best kickers in the game, Matt Bryant. There's approximately four minutes and five seconds left after Julio Jones' catch. Three runs in a row would give you a 37 to 40-yard field goal attempt, most likely. 46 to 50 seconds runoff each play. If Belichick saves his timeouts, then the Patriots get the ball back with just under two minutes in the game, most likely down 11 points. Game over. The Patriots would have needed a touchdown, a two-point conversion, an onside kick, and a field goal. Not happening. Man, they, they screwed the pooch. One of the biggest collapses in sports history. Bigger than the Warriors blowing a 3-1 to lead. Of course, bigger than the Dolphins on the Monday Night Miracle by the Jets. Bigger than the Red Sox coming back down 3-0 to in the World or the, um, or the Championship Series against the Yankees. Absolutely terrible, terrible game management by the Atlanta Falcons. And there's plenty of blame to go around. This is Dan Quinn's second time against the Patriots in the Super Bowl where they did something stupid to lose the game. I'm mad. And I don't and not to talk. mention and and you also have to throw in how many near interceptions did the Falcons have that they just didn't get? I can remember three off the top of my head. Yeah, and none being bigger than that Vic Beasley drop in the end zone. I mean, hit him right in the hands and he just dropped it. That was a perfect opportunity to Vic Beasley to lay out and intercept that pass, and he didn't. I have not listened to sports radio. I have not watched any sports on TV since the end of the Super Bowl. I went to work living in Connecticut. I got in my car on Monday morning. 
I immediately switched from ESPN radio and turned on the local pop station and they started talking about the Patriots. I flipped the channel to the local rap station. They were talking about the Patriots. I flipped the station to the country channel. They were talking about the Patriots. I drove to work for 20 minutes in complete silence. And I refused to listen to sports radio for at least another week or two until they stopped talking about how great Tom Brady is. Because, listen. I think that's, yeah, I think that's a good idea. But I do have some silver lining. The Patriots have not made back-to-back Super Bowls in 12 years. If Tom Brady, if the Seahawks run the football, if the Falcons run the football, do people look at Tom Brady the same way as they are right now, where he would have lost his last two Super Bowls? Nah, it's a fair, fair question. It's revisionist history, though, and it's past us, so we just, we're just going to have to find a way to get over it. And at, at least uh, MC Money, um, we have kids young enough to not have to endure all this pain, so we can bring them up as Dolphins fans without having the tarnish of having to hear about Tom Brady the GOAT every other day. Yeah. And, and let me just say, as much as we all hate Tom Brady, and even if he did lose the last two Super Bowls, and maybe he's a system quarterback if he's a damn good quarterback, and as much as it pains me to say it, uh, Tom Brady's good. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. There was a report earlier today from none other than our renowned sports beat reporter here in Miami, Omar Kelly, that said Kenny Stills' his market is looking at uh, five years, $30 million, which will be about $6 million per year, about $12 million guaranteed. I have news for Mr. Omar Kelly. Omar, you are wrong. You are no dead smoking. Wrong. Kenny Stills' is floor is going to be an annual average salary of about $8.2 million. He's looking at a five-year contract worth $41 million, an average salary of $8.2 million. The comparable players went over this last week. And I don't want to spend too much time on Stills, but it came out today. Travis Benjamin is comparable. Doug Baldwin is comparable. Mohamed Sanu is comparable. T.Y. Hillen is comparable. Doug Baldwin's making 46 mil a year. T.Y. Hillen's making about 65 mil for, for uh, the length of his contract. Not 46 million per year. That's a lot of money. But 46 yeah, million sure. over the length of his contract for four years. So, yeah, I yeah, don't think. MC Money, this. Sorry, this. This sounds like one of those things where the the Dolphins organization might be leaking something out to try to kind of get some groundwork to what the Stills camp is looking for, which is known to happen with contract negotiations. You know, the Dolphins might quote-unquote leak something, and then Kenny Stills' agent might quote-unquote leak something to one of the local media reports to see where the middle ground is. So this sounds like a Miami Dolphins leak to try to get a floor for Stills' contract. And I agree with you. I think Six is uh, greatly underselling him. And if if uh, 
Kenny, if I'm Kenny Stills' agent and this is true, I think he's done a disservice to his client because his market's worth way more than that. So that's why I'm looking at this as a Dolphins leak and just trying to find out where that middle ground is. Absolutely. Howard, any thoughts before we move on? Yeah, I mean, there's no chance in hell Kenny Stills is going to sign for five years, $30 million. And if he does, Adam Gase, Mike Tannenbaum, they're magicians and uh, executives of the year right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you are completely right. Moving on, defensive line, defensive tackle position. The Dolphins are not satisfied with that. They are looking to move on from Earl Mitchell, according to people I've spoken to. They're not thrilled with the inconsistent play of Jordan Phillips. They would love to bring in someone to put alongside Adamican Sue to make Jordan Phillips number three guy and then rotate guys in and out from there. They think Earl Mitchell's a little too small for them, and he's not holding his part of the game up. Houts, Sutton, not sure how deep you've gotten into the defensive tackle market for free agency. Are there a few guys out there you would like to see come into Miami and play alongside Adamican Sue? For, for me, the first one that comes to mind is uh, Nick Fairley. I know that him and Sue had some history together in Detroit, and for me, I think he had, looking at the stats, 43 tackles last year, seven sacks. So I feel like uh, he's definitely going to cost some money, but I think that if the Dolphins could grab him to pair alongside Sue, that would be a great pickup. And then there's some other guys on the list. Uh, I see Kawan Short, Tyson Alalula, uh, Dontario Poe. So, I mean, I, I haven't really dug real deep into it, but for me, the one that stood out the most when looking over the defensive tackles and free agency uh, would have to be Nick Fairley. <clears throat> okay, how, how about you? Wait, that was Houts. So this My bad. Is, Sutton, how about you? It's, it's all good. You're not great with names. So I'm drinking, I'm drinking I, I right now. We sound the same. Cool. <laughs> I wrote an article on the Finsider recently, and I didn't realize how um, kind of volatile the defensive tackle position was because there's one camp of Dolphin fan that think that our our lack of run defense was all based on the linebackers. And granted, we had work to do at linebacker. But my argument was the number one running backs in the NFL get about three yards um, after contact. Uh, for, for about 40% of their carries, they get about three yards after contact. And we gave up almost five yards per carry, period. So even if we were facing the number one after contact running back in the NFL, which happened to be Jay Ajayi, but anyway, we're still giving up at least two yards without a running back being touched beyond the line of scrimmage. So that shows me that we do have a defensive tackle problem. And I totally agree with you, MC Money. Um, Jordan Phillips has been inconsistent. And Earl Mitchell, you know, he did uh, – when he came back from injury, he looked really good. And I've never been a big Mitchell supporter. But when I saw him come back from injury, I was like, hell yeah, this guy might actually – you know, he's justifying some of the the coaches that were talking him up a little bit. But then he totally fell off the face of the earth and ended up being like the 79th-ranked defensive tackle by by PFF. So definitely have some work to do. There was one name that you didn't mention, Houts, in that defensive tackle pool, and that's and I'm not sure how to pronounce it, Domitop Hecko from the from the Bengals, who tends to be more of a of a of a run stuffer. So 
that might be a nice rotational piece because obviously we were kind of lacking in the run defense, so to see if maybe he can pick up maybe some first and second down reps with uh, with Phillips and then bring in Phillips for more pass rushing stuff. But I look for us to address defensive tackle and the draft personally just because Tannenbaum does have that track record okay. of investing in the defensive line. So I think when he gets enamored with a cer- certain defensive lineman, I think they go for it. That is certainly a way they go, but you can look at guys. Let's say they, let's say, uh, they do go defensive tackle in the draft. You have guys that are on a defensive end in the market that are pretty damn good. Besides Andre Branchley looking at, according to people I've spoken to, to come back, but as a backup or as a rotational player, Calais Campbell may make sense from the Arizona Cardinals, and Jason Pierre-Paul may make a lot of sense too. One other guy who might make sense, Jabal Sheard. Calais Campbell would probably have a contract of $8.2 million. And surprise, that is just about the same age as you would pay Kenny Stills. So the Dolphins decide to move on from Kenny Stills. They can certainly move that money to Campbell. 30 years old, 90 years experience. Guess what? He played at the University of Miami. He is probably one of the top defensive ends on the market this year. And while he's up there in age, I think he still has a few years in the tank that can provide good stuff for the Dolphins. Jason Pierre-Paul, 28 years old. Guess what college he played in? South Florida. $14.6 million annual per year projected salary. It's a little hefty. But if you take Kenny Stills, and if you cut Brandon Albert, that's your money for Jason Pierre-Paul. Well, not to mention we're looking at already – we're already going to cut Mario Williams, so that's some pretty significant cap savings there too. That is true. And Deion Jordan, don't forget that, most likely. Yep. The other guy, Jabal Sheard from the Patriots, 27 years old, looking at $8.5 million per year. Guess who his agent is? Drew Rosenhaus. Guess what college he went to? Pittsburgh. Guess who also went to Pittsburgh? Dan Marino. Guess who Drew Rosenhaus has a good relationship with? The Miami Dolphins. Could be someone to come. Connecting the dots. We will see. Look, listen. It is all about connecting the dots in the NFL. It is all about connecting the dots. But here's the thing. I just said the Dolphins can move on from Kenny Stills, and they could move on from Brandon Albert, and they can afford Jason Pierre-Paul, which brings us to the offensive line. Sutton, I know you have strong feelings about this. Houts, I know you have strong feelings about this as well. We've been texting about it for a few days. And I'm going to throw this one to Sutton first. You're the GM of the Dolphins right now, Sutton. What do you do with this offensive line? Specifically, Brandon Albert. Well, first of all, I just got to say that from 2015 to 2016, our offensive line did improve. And I saw noticeable differences. Granted, it still wasn't the greatest offensive line. But I think that just goes to show you how far we had to come from 2015 with just the Tannehill getting decimated on certain plays and having absolutely no time to throw the ball. So have to give slight props to the offensive line this year for, for getting it together a little bit. But we did draft Laramie Tunsil to be a left tackle, not a left guard. And I think the ultimate hedge factor in this whole equation is Brandon Albert and what we're going to do with him. Because he does have track record as a left guard. So 
I'm, I'm, I'm thinking because of the relationship that Gase has with Brandon Albert and the, and the leadership that Albert has, Gase may be able to convince him to move to guard and get Tunsil acclimated to left tackle. Because when we drafted Laramie Tunsil, my first thought was, yeah, we might have to play him at left guard, but I want him to know as little about left guard as possible because eventually he needs to be the left tackle of this team. And I think the Dolphins are very, very high on Laramie Tunsil, and no pun intended, but they are very high on him. So I look for them to exhaust every possibility to try to move Tunsil to left tackle. Now that does create some problems there because Brandon Albert did seem a little stubborn with a a potential move to guard. He said that he was going to play left tackle, and that's just what he was going to do, and that's what ended up happening in 2016. But moving Tunsil to the left tackle might create two holes at guard, and we may not have the luxury of of addressing the offensive line with that many resources when we need to fix the defense a little bit. Very interesting dilemma that we have here. On top of that, Mike Pouncey's injury history, not sure what's going on there. I think we'll learn more as the medical staff figures out what's going on with his hips to see if this is a degenerative issue or if this was just a fluke. But we certainly have some work to do on the offensive line. I think, unfortunately, my boy Jermon Bushrod, I think there's an upgrade there at right guard. I wouldn't mind bringing Bushrod back as depth because he does have – some flexibility there being able to play guard and tackle. But I think the key factor in all this is Brandon Albert and what we're going to do with him. And despite his leadership in the locker room, and you you really can't overvalue that, I thought his play on the field last year didn't really jive with the merit that he has in the locker room. I I, I, I guess I just didn't see it. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Sutton. I I don't think a 32-year-old uh, left tackle who, like Sutton said, didn't really play all that well last season, has injury concerns. I, I feel like you should just be able to go up to him. And I, I mean, I guess it's easier said than done, but when you're 32, you're making $10.6 million, the team should have no issue going up to him and asking him to restructure and to kick inside because, like, like Sutton mentioned and like we've said before, Laramie Tunsil is probably the best offensive lineman on this team. I think he's a natural at left tackle. I think that's the position he needs to play at. So, for me, I think, like Sutton said, the, the key lies with Albert. And I think that if – I mean, it's hard to say, but if, if he won't take that uh, – if he won't restructure his contract, you might have to look elsewhere. And I quick did some research at the guards that are available in free agency. I mean, you got Luke Jokel there, uh, Chance Warmack, TJ Lang, Kevin Zietler. I mean, so there are options out there. And for $10.6 million, I mean – I'm sure with the cap hit, you're not quite getting that back in the salary cap. But, I mean, you can put that money at one of these younger, uh, more experienced guards. I mean, uh, Albert still – he does have some history there, but he still would be a question mark there. And, again, he's 32. So, I mean, if you don't do it now, eventually you're going to have to fill that spot. Uh, as far as Mike Pouncey, I think his contract's making – it looks like 8.975 next year. I mean, that's that's pretty hefty. He has injury concerns, but I don't think you're going to be able to upgrade over Mike Pouncey. So I think Pouncey stays at center. Uh, ideally, you move Brandon Albert in a guard, maybe replace uh, Bushrod with one of those guys I mentioned earlier. And I think 
you solidify that offensive line, you get Jay at a line he can run behind and be the beast that he was, and the Dolphins are going to just continue to get better next season. Yeah, one one name that you didn't mention there, House, was Ronald Leary from the Cowboys, and it would seem that the Cowboys might have to look elsewhere with their salary cap restrictions, so I'm hoping that Ronald Leary ends up hitting the free agent market, so that might be a nice addition for us at right guard. Uh, it, it seems like between Urbic and Steen that we have some pretty good depth there. We just need the starting caliber guys, and it's curious to see where we're going to get that. I think we'd all agree that we don't want to have to invest a, a high draft pick on the offensive line again, considering how much we've yeah, we already invested that. in that situation. So we'll 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 see if that if we're able to to plug this hole in free agency and really devote those resources toward the defense, which I think all Dolphins fans want to be able to do. Just some notes on Brandon Albert's contract here. You cut him before June 1st. You have $3.4 million in dead money. You save $7.2 million. You make him a post-June 1st cut. You have one point seven in dead money and eight point nine in cap savings. So there it's there. You can do yeah. it either or, you know? We'll see if the Dolphins move on, but it's hard to it's hard to move on from a guy. Yes, he's had injury concerns, but it's hard to move on from a guy who's, when healthy, plays at a high level. But we always hear that term when healthy. We'll see how this all shakes out. I don't think they'll address that uh, tackle position. Well, they may if they go after two guards. Uh, one one guy to keep your name on, who has been getting a lot of love from others around social media, is Kevin Zeitler from the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, he is high on the Dolphins' radar, and I am hearing he's going yep. to be a lead priority for the Dolphins to look at. All right, we're yep. going to end the show tonight with questions from the live thread and Twitter. But first, we're going to bring on our number one fan, Kristoff, a.k.a. Dolphins. How are you doing tonight, Kristoff? Yeah. Welcome to the show. I'm doing okay. Okay. Um, All right. Well, light it up and let's go. Uh, all right. Um, well, first off, uh, just to bring a little bit of light to the Brandon Albert subject, I think he does stay. I think Laramie Tunsil does stay at left guard for one more season. The only reason I say this is because of the injury concerns to both. Yeah, he slipped in the shower, but he also had another injury. Albert goes down. Tunsil can slide over. You have two holes filled with both of them healthy on the roster. You have one hole filled. If you have, you know, Albert go down, and I really think him putting his hand back in place and finishing the game out does something for that. But in regards to free agency, I don't think, we're doing the right thing looking at the big names. I look at free agency last year and the year prior, the trades that they made and everything. They go for them borderline like about to explode talents, not the ones that already have the resume. And maybe if they go older, they go for the ones that are have the injury concerns or possibly can do a reduced salary so that that way they're easier to cut. And I really think that's the route we should be looking at them possibly taking this off season. 
Okay. Well, you want to take I, this MC money? I, I what'd you say? I said, do you want to go ahead and take this one? I, I have yeah. a, a few thoughts on that whenever you get done. Yeah, I'll take this one. Christoph, again, always thank you for calling and thank you for your opinion on free agency. You know, me being somewhat connected to the team and having people close to the team, and, I, and I'm not saying that I have people inside the building. I have one person inside the building, but I also have a lot of middlemen that I talk to, you know, the guys who get the information from other places. So for me, I kind of know what the Dolphins, how they're thinking, what they're thinking. But I also know how quickly things can change. There were guys literally ready to board a plane last year and didn't even make it to Miami. And Miami was ready to offer them a contract. Hell, look at Lael Collins, okay? And I've said this story many times on Twitter, and I'm going to repeat it here for everyone to hear on the radio. Mike Tannenbaum used to work with the agent for Leo Collins. During the draft, they talked to each other. It was all set to go. Leo Collins was going to come to Miami. Okay? The Rams tried drafting Leo Collins in the sixth or seventh round, and Leo Collins' agent said, no, if you draft him, we are not going to play, and he threatened the hell out of him. Okay? Then the Cowboys got involved, and Leo Collins, growing up a Cowboys fan, and his mother – Living in that area and growing up a Cowboys fan, they wanted to take the visit. And they didn't make it out. But if Leo Collins got on that plane, he had a contract waiting for him in Miami. That is an absolute fact. And didn't we and didn't we send Jarvis Landry down to talk to him or something? Didn't we send some former LSU alums yeah, down, Jarvis to went down there? Jarvis kind of went down there. I think Brandon Albert went there too. So, but they had, they, guys, they had that deal all wrapped up. It was all ready to go. They just needed to sign the paper, but he never made it out of Dallas. And that's how quickly things can change in free agency. So when you hear us talking about guys who may the Dolphins may be targeting, understand, yes, they're targeting them, but also understand that things can change very quickly. And even with an Adamic and Sue, and I was on that story from the very beginning, um, there were some tense moments there at the end where this deal almost fell apart. I cannot tell you how close he was to signing with the Oakland Raiders. And he was very close to signing with the Oakland Raiders. Very, very close. So things can happen fairly quickly. But, uh, Christoph, thank you for your opinion, and we will see what happens. Uh, Sutton, do you want to just throw in a few a few words on there? Yeah, just real quick. And I think kind of what Christoph was alluding to was do we kind of go the compensatory draft strategy that the Ravens have kind of popularized a little bit? And I think it's an interesting thought because we did, we played that perfectly last year. And I think we're going to get some, uh, we're going to get at least a third and a fifth this year. And I've seen some scenarios where we get a third and two fifths. So, I mean, that's just extra draft capital in our pocket. And we played free agency very well last year. We we got some guys, like he said, that outperformed their contract. And that's really the goal of free agency. But you have to come back to the fact that the Dolphins historically have not drafted and developed talent. And I think teams that draft and develop talent are the ones that can play that compensatory draft scenario. We have not been that. We may get there. It sure seems like we have a coaching staff that's going to develop young talent much better than we have historically. But I don't think our roster is in a position where we can just adopt this 
no holds barred going forward. I think we still need to bolster the roster a little bit, continue to draft well, and then we can get to the point where we can just say, oh, Kenny Stills, whatever, oh, Andre Branch, whatever. We'll just get the compensatory pick and draft someone well. We're just not there yet. All right, absolutely. So we're going to go um, now to the live thread, and we answer all the questions basically throughout our show tonight. Alpha, I know you had a question about what the Dolphins should do in free agency. We, we answered that in our discussion. Then there was another one about Kenny Stills from Miami Sky. We answered that as well. We're going to jump over to Twitter. How I'm going to throw you one question from our buddy Rob, Rob Caruth, and then we are going Caruth. to and, and be done for this week's edition of Insider Radio. Of course, it's the offseason, so it's not too much news going around, but we will try to bring you the latest and greatest news from the Miami Dolphins each and every week, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time every Tuesday evening with Sutton, who has Twitter now, at Sutton Laces Out. And, of course, Houts, at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z, and myself, at Finsider Radio. Rob, we already answered your question, sort of, which of us position of greater need, defensive line or linebacker. But, linebacker. Uh, Rob, I'm going to answer this one real quickly. The Dolphins should not draft a wide receiver. They gave up a lot for Leontay Carew. They have Jakeem Grant. Uh, they should not draft a receiver. I think it would be very foolish for them to spend a pick on a receiver unless it's late in the draft. But how's this one's for you? Which is a position of greater need, defensive line or linebacker? Yeah, I'm going to stick with linebacker. I, I agree defensive line, like we stated earlier, the defense tackle position needs to be upgraded. Our defensive ends outside of Cameron Wake, who's now 34 years old. I mean, we might bring back Andre Branch, but that's a big question mark. So we definitely need to fill that defensive end position. For me, linebacker, I mean, we talk about all throughout this offseason, if we can move Kiko outside, get a, a brick shit house there at middle linebacker, maybe like a Dante Hightower or something like that. I mean, I think that would really solidify this defense. Uh, could use another outside linebacker. So for me, it'll remain the linebacker position, but I think defensive line, particularly defensive end, is a very, very close second. <clears throat> All right. And I, I, would just, I would just say um, linebacker short-term, defensive end long-term. And I think yep. that that will be the decision going on in the war room with the Dolphins is if you guys, you know, if we have similarly similarly rated players, a linebacker and a defensive end, do we go with the, the short term or do we go with the long term? Because I think we both agree, all three of us would agree that defensive end on defense is a much more important position. Yep. So it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting dilemma that they have there. We we need linebackers right now. Yeah, and, and but we also you, don't have to touch on what you said. I think. Sorry, go ahead, Howard. No, I was just gonna say for me, I think free agency is the way to go as far as a linebacker. But I definitely agree the younger uh, position and the one that we need later down the road would be a defensive end. So for me, I think defensive end more something I look for in the first second round of the draft and try to fill that linebacker spot in free agency. All right, there's plenty of options to go around, whether the Dolphins attack DE or linebacker in the free agency then get the other one in the draft, or vice versa. It remains to be seen, but I'm sure they have a plan in place for each one. Obviously, they have their main targets at both linebacker position and defensive end, and we'll see which approach they take there. I know how it's your boy Dante Hightower made a huge play in the Super Bowl, and if it wasn't for him, the Patriots probably don't win that game. Um, so we'll keep an eye on what the Dolphins do in regards to him in terms of attacking him and also what the Patriots decide to do with him as well. All right. So that is it this week for Finsider Radio. As as you know, we go shorter in the offseason, 35 minutes today. 
Uh, we'll continue about that 30-minute range leading up to free agency. We'll jump up a little more as we get closer to free agency. Then we'll scale down a bit. Then we'll jump back up at the draft. Then we'll scale down a bit. Then we'll jump back up at training camp. And then we will continue full steam ahead throughout the regular season and the Dolphins Super Bowl season in 2017-2018. For Sutton and Houts, I am MC Money. Thank you for listening to Finsider Radio, and we'll see you next week. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Voltron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations. Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. 
You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.